All right, well, I'm excited about preaching this morning. And uh, two weeks ago, uh, <clears throat> I got halfway through my sermon, and uh, we had a pause for last week. Last week was Vision Sunday. I'm doing a series entitled The First Step to Your Greatest Successes. I don't believe that you're meant to just have one success in life. God intended that you have many successes. That's what life and life more abundantly means. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And so the first step to your greatest successes is the name of the series. Today's message is entitled, From Divine Order to Demonic Disorder. From Divine Order to Demonic Disorder. The goal of this series is to learn that the first step to your greatest successes in life is developing the ability to say, God, not my will, not my way, but your will and your way be done. When we learn how to get that into our soul, so that becomes an automatic response to every decision we have to make, I'm telling you, it will jettison you onto the path of success. And your greatest successes will be allowing God to have his will and his way. And the reason for that is nobody wants your success more than your Father in heaven. No one has your back more than your Father in heaven. I've made good decisions, and sometimes they're not God decisions. And I've made some pretty bad decisions. And so I've decided to not trust my decision-making ability, but always submit it to God's perfect will for my perfect life. Can I get an amen? amen. Absolutely. All right. Very quickly, for the, especially for those of you that were not here two weeks ago, and uh, maybe you're visiting for the first time, great to have you. I'm going to do uh, just a really quick synopsis, a quick review uh, last week, we looked at the fact that man is spirit, soul, and body. I always say this, the world, whenever the world talks about this, they say, yeah, we're body, soul, and spirit, or we're body, soul, and mind, and they come up with many things, but most importantly, they have it out of order. If you live by your body and then your soul, you will live in demonic disorder. God has a divine order, and that is that we live first by our spirit. If you are led by the spirit, the Bible says, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. And the chaos we have in the world is that people are living out of a broken divine order, and therefore they are in demonic disorder. I'm going to teach you principles today that will make you open your eyes and go, wow, and make you understand why the best life you can live is your spiritual life, because your spiritual life will lead you to your best natural life. Are you hearing me? Come on, that wasn't good enough. I said your best spiritual life will lead you to your best natural life. Can I get an agreement here? All right. So quick review. I also said that uh, uh, initially, <clears throat> excuse me, before the fall, man's spirit was alive 
and it was the means of communication with the Father. When he fell, his spirit became dormant and non-active. And to prove that, I took you to a verse uh, in... In Genesis chapter 3, where um, the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die. Well, they didn't die in the flesh, but when they disobeyed and they ate from the fruit, they did die in their spirit. And the, the proof of that is that in the Bible it teaches us, while Adam's physical body didn't die, your physical body didn't die, it did take on the law of death. One of the laws of thermeneutics is that everything left to its own device without outside intervention is perishing. Everything is degressing. That law that science has recognized and giving it a title is what God was talking about in the garden. The law of sin and death Everything is perishing because the world is no longer under the order of God's kingdom. It is now under the order of a demonic kingdom. The demonic kingdom will always bring death. God's kingdom will always bring life. How many of you know that you and I are now in the kingdom of God? Right now, here. Amen. Absolutely. And so... While their physical body didn't instantly die, we are subject to the law or the process of decay, deterioration. Everything left unattended just wears out and breaks down. Everything does. That is a law under the curse of the kingdom of darkness. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and 5, this is quick review. Uh, we know that their spirit became dormant. It became dead, so to speak, inoperable. It didn't cease to exist, but it ceased to function. It became deadened. And we know that because Paul tells us in Ephesians, in verse 1 and verse 5, he uses this word. Specifically, this word is translated like this in the King James. He said, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. Okay? And uh, that word quickened if we have verse 5 it says even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us together with Christ by grace you're saved and that word quickened I shared last week very quickly this is quick review is the Greek word suduopio uh, which means to reanimate, to conjointly come back together and make it alive together with. So to make alive together with, it is from the word son and zupio, to reanimate conjointly, to quicken together with. When you got born again, if you're going to have a relationship with God, you must be born again. A religious leader in Israel's synagogue, came to Jesus at night. His name was Nicodemus. And he said, great teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must. He didn't say, ah, oh, good suggestion. He didn't say an option. He said, you must be born again. The spirit must come alive. It can only come alive by connecting with Jesus Christ. You'll see this Greek word 
actually says to make alive together with. When Jesus comes into our heart, he joins into our spirit and our spirit comes alive with Christ. And suddenly our spirit man, which was the predominant of who, the predominance of who the first Adam was, he was a spirit man. We live as fleshly people. But the first Adam was a spirit man. Yes, he had a body, but it was spirit, soul, and then body. But when we get born again, our spirit becomes animated, becomes quickened, it becomes alive together with the spirit of Jesus Christ. All right? <clears throat> so Satan said to Adam and Eve, you won't die, but everybody knows, liar, liar, pants on fire. Right? He's nothing but a liar. Okay, so here we go today. I'm going to start here today, and this is today's message. Prior to the fall, man communicated to God through his spirit, and God communicated to man through his spirit. Now, I know when we put scriptures up on the screen, every word, every letter is capitalized. I don't know if our media team can change it for the future, but in your Bible, whenever the Bible is talking about your spirit, the word spirit is written with a lowercase s. And whenever it's written, it's talking about the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit, it is always capital S. That's an important uh, differentiation to make so that you get a clearer understanding when you're reading scripture that God's spirit, capital S, speaks to our spirit, little s. How many of you as Christians want to have more of God's spirit communicating to your spirit? I'm telling you, the more we learn to live from our spirit, the more our soul and our body are in submission to our spirit, as our spirit submits to the spirit of God, you will live your best life. James says, where did these quarrels come from? Where did these factions, these divisions, these aggressive behaviors come from? They come from your soul, which wars because of attitudes and, and uh, thought patterns that are inside of you. When we live by the Spirit, we will live our best life. Unfortunately, the church has made a terrible mistake. And the mistake that the church has succumbed to is that we got so excited about trying to get people saved, the gospel has become about handing out a ticket to heaven. And we've never taught people the deeper things of the Word of God. You are a being and because of the fall, you lived as a body and a soul and really no spirit. And whenever you live out of, out of God's divine order, you are automatically in demonic disorder. And demonic disorder will always lead you to confusion and confusion will always lead you to chaos. I'm teaching a principle here that as you get this and understand who you are and how you're made and you start to alter the way you make decisions, you will literally take yourself out of 
demonic disorder, and you will start to put yourself on the path of God's divine order. And I'm telling you, you will open the doors, the windows, the attic, uh, to bring in the breath of God and bring his blessing over your life. We've been taught the gospel, so we got a ticket to heaven, and that's all that most people really understand. I'm a Christian, I'm going to heaven, and they live in a spiritual world, but in a material way. And we live it out of divine order. We are out of, contrary to divine order, and what we don't realize is that most of us function from demonic disorder, and then we wonder why the blessing of God isn't on us to the level that we read in the Bible. So I'm teaching you things about who you are and teaching you how to take steps so that you learn, you come to a place where you have soul control, S-O-U-L, you have control over your soul, and you allow your spirit to lead you your spirit will always be submissive to the Spirit of God. I'll give you a scripture for that in a moment. And I am jumping ahead of myself. That's what you do when you get excited. You go off script and you start just getting into it. All right, so prior to the fall, man communicated to God through his spirit. Let's put that diagram up, the triangle. <clears throat> Spirit, soul, and body can be animated through a circle within a circle within a circle. Like the first diagram I showed you, these are just images to help us get a mental picture. This is another way that we look at it, and that is spirit, soul, and body. I like the circle within a circle within a circle because the most inner circle is the spirit, and the outer circle that you see is the body. The next thing you'll see when you meet somebody, first you'll see their outline, their shape, their body, the color of their hair, color of their eyes, the color of their skin, et cetera, et cetera. And then as you talk to them, you get to know their personality and their character, their heart, their belief systems. You start to see their soul. The thing we never see is spirit. Here's the irony that, yeah, I'm jumping ahead of myself, all right. <laughs> In the garden, man was predominantly spirit, then soul, and body, and he was clothed in the glory of God. And the glory of God is always the character of God, and it's the brightness, the pure light of God. I'm going to show you some really cool stuff that even I never saw before. Between last night and this morning, God just lifted a veil off my eyes, and I saw so much revelation stuff I never saw before, my natural brain was having trouble keeping up with all the revelation that was coming, and God's throwing verses at me, and everything connected. And I'm thinking, holy moly, Father, how am I going to preach all this? And I realized some of this stuff just has to be written in a book. Okay, are you ready for some amazing truths today? I am convinced God gave me such clarity. You're going to see, I'll read scriptures to you today that will make more sense, especially if you've been saved for the last 20, 30 years. They'll make more sense today than they've ever made to you, okay? Uh, because God just, just opened my mind over the last few years, but last night and this morning, just a fresh wind 
of revelation always from Scripture. We never get revelation outside of Scripture. You don't build on anything if it's not Scripture. It's only the Word of God. Are you with me? All right. <clears throat> okay. Um, so here in this diagram, and unfortunately on this screen, this happened last week on the live stream production. They can see the top. But God, through his Holy Spirit, speaks to our spirit, and our spirit speaks to our soul. In the natural world, it's your body that has the gateway of five senses, and your body brings information to your soul. The soul is the place of your mind, of your intellect, and the mind of your emotions. You'll have to go back and listen to previous sermons. <clears throat> but you're not schizophrenic, but you do have two minds. James says a double-minded man will not receive anything from the Lord. Uh, in your soul, there's the mind of your intellect, the mind of reason, rationale, thought, uh, thought belief systems, thought processes, memories, all of that stuff. But in your soul is also the mind of your emotions. When many times we believe by faith and logically we understand God can heal me, God can this, God can that. But then in our mind of emotions we have inferiority, we have rejection, we have issues, we have these hurts. And so we can boldly confess the word of God and say, yeah, the Lord, by his stripes I am healed. But then emotionally, in our mind of emotions, we think, but I'm not good enough, or God doesn't love me. Even my parents rejected me. Nobody really loves me. So I know God's a healer and God will heal, but he'll heal Mary, but he won't heal me. And our emotional mind is speaking contrary to our logical thought processes, and we're not even in agreement with ourselves. We run around looking for people to come into agreement with us, but we're not in agreement within our own soul. It's called soul fracture. Fractures through trauma, through devastation. The mind of the intellect tears away from the mind of the emotions, and that's where demons set up strongholds. Thought processes get established that are contrary to how God wants us to think, and the devils literally guide us and rule us and manipulate our lives from those places. But anyway, I know I went a bit deep. God prior to the fall, by his Holy Spirit, spoke to man's spirit, and man, in divine order, his spirit spoke to his soul, and his soul spoke to his body, okay? That's prior to the fall. I'm going to give you a picture here of divine order prior to the fall. Now, I did this last week, but I've, I've added some scriptures to this, so if you would help me, Tony. <coughs> by the way, didn't Tony do such a brilliant job last week when we had all those slides for Vision 2023? He was on point every time. He just did a brilliant job. He even came to me before church and said, Pastor, I want, what, what are the cues? Give me cues because I want to be right there with you. And I didn't have any cues. <laughs> and he, he was just there the whole time. All right, so on the screen, if we could have... Uh, after divine order, let's take this slide off. We're going to put God, L-O-M, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, if we could do that. And then this is divine order. God is always at the top. In, in, in the Hebrew texts, when you read Genesis 3, in the beginning, God, the Hebrew word is L-O-M. 
And Elohim is a compound, is a plural. And it, it is the first revelation of the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. In fact, in the Old Testament, every time you read the word God, it is uh, Elohim. When you read Lord, capital L, it is Yahweh. Okay? Uh, so anyway, at the top, we have God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, and then we have man. We put man up there, and can we keep the others there, or is it not set up that way? Okay, all right. Then we have man. Now, in Psalm chapter 8, David writes this. Now, it wasn't just David's whimsical idea, because Paul picks this up, and he repeats it in the book of Hebrews. This is a divine law. This is a truth. It's not just something poetic that David wrote. This is a spiritual truth. So it's written even in the book of Hebrews. It's requoted from Psalm 8. And I'm going to read a section of verse 4 and a section of verse 5. David says, what is mankind that you're mindful of them? You're considerate of them. Human beings that you care for them. You crown them with glory and honor. Now, this is a sermon series all by itself. Those of you that have been part of this church, you've heard me preach on what is divine glory and what is divine honor. Very quickly, the glory of God is always God's perfect character. So any attribute of God, which is always to the nth degree perfect, God's love, God's patience, God's kindness, God's wisdom, God's mercy, God's foreknowledge, all of those things. It's like, you know, um, <clears throat> when, when, when a, a sports person wins a trophy, the Heisman Trophy is for college football, okay? And is that for a quarterback or any football player, okay? Uh, there. These trophies are given because this person exemplifies incredible athletic abilities. The Cy Young Award in baseball is given to pitchers, correct? All right? And it's given because they're saying this man has incredible pitching abilities, and we've given him the Cy Young Award. God's glory is the trophy of all of his incredibly perfect personality character traits. Everybody get that? So when God created man in his image, he crowned him with glory. Before the fall, he took his glory, his goodness, and he put it on man. Now God lives in uh, abundant light. Light emanates from him. In the spirit world, Angels and uh, born-again Christians who have passed away and their spirit's gone to heaven, they emanate light. Light comes with that perfect glory. Demons come with a darkness. If you've ever seen a darkness, if you've ever seen a demon, and maybe you have, that's usually a darkness. It doesn't come with brilliance of light. The kingdom of Satan is a kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of light. This is not a play on words. The Bible is more literal than you realize. We're going to get to heaven and we're going to go, Whoa, I read about this. I didn't think it was so literal. 
I have a friend, he was from New Zealand. Before he ever got saved, he, he was a druggie. He was traveling around the world. His name is Ian McCormack. And he was selling drugs to, uh, that's how he made his way around the world, okay? A young hippie guy. And he's in the island of Mauritius. And uh, he goes for a last dive before he leaves the next morning. And he swims into a school of box jellyfish. If you don't know, box jellyfish have the most poisonous venom of any animal. The sting of one box jellyfish can kill 80 adults. He got stung by five box jellyfish. We actually had him here in the church and he shared his story. He wasn't a Christian. He ends up dying in the hospital and wakes up in the morgue of the hospital. The, the, the attendant uh, had his foot up and he's about to put a uh, pierce a hole in his heel to start draining the body of blood and fluids, and this guy comes back to life. Now, he had a born-again mom, and his mom, at the same time that he was dying, got a vision in New Zealand, and she started praying for him. She saw he was dying, and she cried out to God to save her son. He ends up dying from the poison. This is a true story, incredible story. And uh, he, he comes alive, all he knows is that as he's dying, <clears throat> he heard his mother telling him to pray the Lord's Prayer. And he prays the Lord's Prayer and he says, forgive us our sins as we forgive our, those who have sinned against us. And he was thinking of the taxi cab driver that he hailed. And he said, please, I'm dying. Take me to the hospital. And the guy just thought he was a druggie. And he was a druggie. And uh, took him a bit of the way. Realized he wasn't going to get paid and threw him out of the cab. And this guy had to make his way to the hospital. But he dies. And as he's dying, he realizes, i got to forgive even the cab driver. And he has a conversion experience, but he dies. And he tells the story so phenomenal. It's amazing. I remember the first time I, I heard it. I actually saw it on video. He was sharing it in, in a living room, somebody's house. And they had to keep pausing the video because he kept breaking down and crying. And so he gets saved. He gets out of the hospital. And uh, he's in a motel. And he gets the little Gideon's Bible they have in there. And he starts reading God is light. And he says, Whoa! I remember when I went to heaven, God told me I had to go back. There was this unapproachable light. You see, the word of God is more literal than we realize. It is real, it is real, it is real. You can build your life on God's word. Nothing is permanent, but God's word is permanent. Amen. Okay. He noticed that the outline of his body just glowed. It was light. And God said, showed him his mom praying and weeping. He says, you got to go back. He goes, ah, I don't want to go back. <laughs> and God sent him back. And now he shares this amazing story. He's a preacher now. And he's traveled around the world sharing his story. Pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, uh, I get sidetracked easy. It's called uh, uh, Rabbit Burrows. But they're interesting, right? Okay, well, watch this here. So if we could have the screen again, Tony, thank you. Uh, David says, what is man? That you're mindful of him, that you care for him, you crowned him with glory, your character, you clothe him in light, and you've given him honor. Honor always speaks of position. God will always give his sons and daughters position. All right, we're gonna go to the next verse. I gotta keep moving. Uh, 
it, it says here, 2 Corinthians chapter, no, sorry, Exodus 33. You're right, Tony. Uh, I'm going to give you an example of glory. Moses is in the wilderness, and God says, I know you by name. Moses says, I know you by name. I know you know me by name, but I want to see your glory. So if you don't really know me by name, which I believe, I don't want to leave this place until you show me your glory. Now I'm going to prove to you what the glory of God is. The Bible says that God took Moses and put him in the cleft, a cutout of the rock. That is symbolic of you and I being put in the rock of Jesus Christ. He's the rock. A lot of symbolism here. So we are put in Christ. And then it says that God caused all of his goodness to pass over Moses. And as all the attributes of God's divine character, perfect in every aspect, are passing over Moses. How many of you ever felt like a wave of happiness? How many of you have ever felt a wave of love? You just felt love, right? The waves of God's goodness, the waves of his kindness, the waves of his understanding, the saturation of his righteousness, of his mercy, of his justice. Every attribute of divine perfection that is in God literally took turns washing over Moses. It was like he was looking into the spectrum of a rainbow and seeing all the colors of God, so to speak. He was seeing all the character traits of God. And so he's getting a baptism in God's character. I'm sure he had goosebumps and he's, you know, whoa, whoa, he was going for a ride. He didn't need any CBD, that's for sure. I mean, he was having a God experience of another caliber, okay? He didn't have to pay for that. And at the same time, it says, and God started to speak his names over Moses. The names of God reveal the strengths and the personality characters of God. And so God started to say, I am Yahweh Tiskanu, uh, I am the Lord your God who will be your righteousness. I am Jehovah Jireh, I am the Lord your God who will provide for you. I am Yahweh uh, uh, Rapha, the Lord who heals you. And so Moses is getting totally immersed in who God is. Everything that was in God, Moses is hearing it in surround sound and he's watching it on an IMAX theater and it's going through him. He's getting wave after wave of everything God is. Now watch. So he gets exposed to the glory of God. This is what Paul says in the New Testament. He's just mentioning this by the way, but the by the way is really cool. So I'm gonna read you the by the way. Uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7, he's talking about when Moses was touched by God's glory, and this is the end result. The Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory. Moses came off the mountain and he started to reflect the light and the glory of God. And they literally had to put veils over his face because they couldn't bear to look at him. He shone. See, before the fall, you were predominantly a spiritual person. You lived from your spirit and your spirit communicated with God 
in your spirit, all the five senses you have in your physical body, you have first in your spiritual body. The Bible says that. That's why the prophet said, you have eyes, but you don't see. You have ears, but you don't hear. How can you have eyes and not see? Unless you're blind in the natural. But he's saying spiritually, you have eyes. You have spiritual eyes, but you don't see. You have spiritual ears, but you don't hear. Your five senses, and I could go through and give you scriptures for all of them. We don't have time today, but you can see in the spirit. You can hear in the spirit. You can actually smell in the spirit. Sometimes the presence of God will come in in such a way, suddenly there's a supernatural smell and it's just so sweet and beautiful. The Bible says that we are sweet-smelling fragrance in God's nostrils. Uh, demon, uh, sorry, uh, witches can actually recognize Christians by the smell. The, uh, Warlock has, in Australia, when I was ministering there, had actually testified that before he got saved, when he was a warlock, he could smell a Christian, and to them, it was such a sweet smell. It was so sweet, it, would, it was sickly. It would turn their stomach because they revolted it. I've had other witches say they know Christians because they shine with light. You see, there's so much more in the spirit realm than we understand. But the word of God is very literal. And sometimes we just read this stuff and say, oh, yeah, that's a metaphor. You know, he's light. No, it's true. It really is true. Anyway, am I boring you? Are you interested? All right, stay with me because it gets better. I want to explain who you are so that you could put reins on who you are and take yourself from negativity, from defeat, from inferiority, from carnality, and take yourself to the place of your greatest successes. How many of you want to come with me? All right. Come on, stay with me, stay with me. So Moses had this great glory, and they had to put veils on him because he was in the presence of God. All right. By the way, you will reflect the character of whose presence you stay in the most. That's why Paul says, don't you know that bad company will corrupt good character? You will reflect the character of whose company you keep the most. That's why worship is important. It's not just something we do to fill up time before church. Listen, how many of you know I can talk fast enough and long enough I can fill up the time? We, we don't need a song service to fill up the time. I can fill it up. Give me three hours, I'll fill it up. Stop laughing. <laughs> All right. Uh, no, we, we do worship because that's how we come into the presence of God. It affects us. There's a purpose to everything we do. Anyway, um, no, I'm not rambling, but i got to stay on track. Okay, so <clears throat> we're talking about man. 1 Thessalonians, let's, thank you, Tony, you're on the ball. He, he's actually prompting me. Come on, Pastor, next verse. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. I pray that your whole spirit, soul, and body, it is a divine order. It's also a progression. You start from the spirit, you go to the soul, and then to the body. If you don't understand that's a progression, you will work from your body and your body will speak to your soul and your soul will ignore your spirit and you will live in the flesh and you'll fall on your face over and over again. But when we learn to live from the spirit and allow our spirit to talk to our soul 
and our soul to talk to our body, we come back in a divine order. We open the gates. We open the doors. We open the windows to God's greatest blessing on our life. Good preaching, Pastor Ron. So we had man. Now, based on this scripture, what we have is man is broken up into a triune being. And what we're going to have next on the screen is spirit, soul, and body. All right? There you go. Spirit, soul, and body. Now, we're going to go back to Psalm 8. Because in Psalm 8, verse 6, David says, after he talks about what is man that you would crown him with glory and honor... David also says, and again, this is repeated in the book of Hebrews, you made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. And so there is a chain of command. There is a divine order. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, and then he put man. And man is a spirit first, then a soul, then a physical body, and then he put the rest of creation under mankind. And so because of Psalm 8, verse 6, what, uh, you made them rulers over your hands, put everything under their feet, we have the animal kingdom, the plant kingdom, and then we have the demonic world. Isn't it interesting that in Ephesians, when Jesus is made Lord of Lords and King of Kings, when he rises triumphantly, the first thing we read is that powers and principalities and demonic forces are under his feet. Isn't it interesting that Jesus redeems us, takes us out of the kingdom of darkness, and according to Paul in Ephesians, Jesus raises us up into the heavenly places, sits us in the same seat as Jesus. Jesus is the head, we are the feet, and he puts the enemy under, we are the body, which includes the feet, and he puts the enemy under our feet. What's happening is salvation is more than just a moment where you get a ticket to go to heaven. Salvation is the restoration of all things. Salvation is the renewal of all things. Two, two words that are never preached in the church, two separate scriptures. God's concept of salvation is that not just that he wants to forgive you of your sins so that you get to heaven. God is saving the planet. In God's plan of salvation, he's going to renew the earth and then he's going to redeem your body and your body will be glorified again. You will walk in the glory of God and emanate light and he will bring his Jerusalem down to this physical earth that has been renewed and all the garbage has been removed and we're going to live on earth and walk on earth and we will see the physical kingdom of God and there will be no more crying, no more tears, no more heartbreak, no more, no more sorrow. Somebody say, I'm going there. Salvation is the renewal or the restoration of all things. That's why in our mission statement I said our end goal is God's end goal and that is to restore humanity back to the fullness of God's plan and destiny for them. Absolutely, that's where we're going, folks. When you ask Jesus in your heart and your sins are forgiven and you get the ticket to go to heaven, that's only scratching the surface. He is restoring us to our destiny before the fall. That's salvation. 
That's redemption. Amen. I love it. I love it. I love it. You'll learn this stuff in Bible college if you come. Listen, I, I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, most of the stuff I teach you, I get from the Holy Ghost. He shows me in the Word. I go back to the Hebrew or the Greek, and he confirms things that are not fully or completely translated. And I don't read a lot of books. I don't want other people's opinions. The Holy Spirit has given me a, a gift after years of fasting and praying for revelation. And everything I preach, you will find it doesn't contradict Scripture. It'll pull Scripture together. And that's always the mark of the Spirit of God. It's not my ability. It's not my intelligence. Don't mishear me. I'm not patting Rob Scarallo on the back. Take the anointing off of me, and I look pretty darn ordinary. Okay? If I look good, what you're seeing is God on me. All right? All right. So watch this now. So we have a divine order. Elohim, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, man, man's spirit, soul, and body. And then you have the uh, animal kingdom, the plant kingdom, and the demonic world. Listen, if you have divine order, what you have is righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness is having everything in right relationship. Watch, watch. Righteousness, even from a scriptural, biblical perspective, I have righteousness from Christ. But what righteousness is, is me being in right relationship with my father, right relationship with myself, and right relationship with others. When you're living in right relationship with everyone, and you're living in right relationship with yourself, and you're living in right relationship with God, that's the definition of righteousness. Now, I don't always get it right. So you know what God does? He gives me Christ's righteousness, and he sees me in Jesus, in the cleft of the rock. And so when God looks at me, he doesn't see my failures. He sees the perfection of Jesus. Somebody say, thank God. All right? But the reality is that if you are in absolute right relationship with God, and if you stop calling yourself an idiot, thinking you're a failure, calling yourself stupid, and you start respecting yourself and honoring yourself and loving others as you love yourself, it's the three universal laws. You can't break them. You break them, they'll break you. You must love God first. You must also learn to respect yourself. I know, it's hard. You always hear daddy screaming at you, your mom abandoning you, or you, your mind goes back to memories and hurts and areas where you got fractured. And so we have inferiority, we have rejection, we have all of this crap in our memory in our thought processes, in our emotions. And it makes us a little bit crazy sometimes. And God wants to heal that stuff. But when we get healed and we start to love ourselves and respect ourselves and we love others as ourselves and we love God first, you have divine order. You have divine order. It's righteousness. And so 
if you have divine order, you have righteousness, right relationship, but also you have right relationship with God's divine order. You got everything in place. Interesting, Paul says the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. What do you do that with? You do it with your body. Good answer, thank you. That was quick. <laughs> That's what you do when you're trying to save time. <laughs> what do you eat and drink with? You do it with your body, right? He said the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking. The kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, and joy. Everybody look at me. I don't have time to teach this today. I've taught this to those that have been in the church longer. I could do a whole series. I have done series on this. Righteousness, peace, and joy is a divine progression. You cannot have peace, you cannot have joy unless you have peace. That makes sense? And you will never have peace unless you have the righteousness of God. If you're not in right relationship with God and you're not in right relationship with yourself, are you going to have peace in your soul? Of course not. It stands to logic. If you have enmity with other people or if you hate yourself, how are you ever going to have peace? And if you don't have peace, how are you ever going to have joy? Listen, the Bible is smarter than you think. We read stuff and we read it religiously. Got through 10 scriptures today. And how many did you get? The kingdom of God is a divine progression. It's righteousness. Everything starts with right relationship. The whole law of God is built on love, and the law of love is all about how to live right with everybody else as well as yourself, as well as with God. So righteousness, peace, joy. You can't have joy until you have the peace. You will never have the peace until you're in right relationship with God, right relationship with yourself, and right relationship with everybody else. I could prove to you, and I don't have time today, you will find this hidden progression all through the Old Testament and the New Testament. And sometimes you'll see righteousness and peace, and righteousness will always precede peace. Always in Scripture. Listen, this book is a mystery. If you're not fascinated about the Bible, get fascinated. Let me tell you, this book is filled with interwoven mysteries and secrets. It is amazing. That's why I love teaching Bible college. It is amazing. I could pull out mystery after mystery. That's why I have no trouble preaching. I could go for hours because the book is so good. But what you'll find in Scripture is you'll, because it's a progression, it's a divine progression, you, it'll always first start with righteousness and then talk about peace. Or if it picks up with peace, it'll talk about peace and then joy. And the Bible never gets it out of order. Whether it's Genesis uh, Exodus, whether it's Isaiah, whether it's Ezekiel, whether it's Jeremiah, you will always see this divine order, and it's hidden. So Paul, who was a phenomenal scholar of the word, he was trained under the top religious teacher of the day, a guy named Gamaliel, who sat on the Sanhedrin. And when they wanted to uh, first start uh, 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 John and... Uh, John and... Uh, James were before them, and they were getting ready to kill him. It was Galileo who stood up and said, you know what? Many have professed that messiahs have come, and they've all fallen by the wayside. We don't want to actually go against God. We're not sure what the situation is here. We think these guys are crazy, but let's not kill them lest we turn the hand of God against us. 
That's how influential he was. He turned the whole Sanhedrin around, and they did not kill John and James at that time, okay? Uh, so Paul trained under Gamaliel. At any given time, Gamaliel had about 3,000 students on his property learning Hebrew and Greek and learning theology from the Old Testament. So I got so excited. What was I saying? <laughs> How did I get to Gamaliel? Oh, Paul learned under this guy thorough in scriptures, and Paul isn't just saying some fancy little uh, phrase, oh yeah, the kingdom of God is righteous, peace, and joy. What does it really mean? Most Christians don't even know what it means. It's actually a hidden progression in the Bible. The devil doesn't want you to have righteousness because if you have righteousness, you're gonna have peace, and if you have peace, you're gonna have joy. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So he wants to turn it all around. The only way to turn it all around, the only way, did you know that the Garden of Eden in Hebrew means joy? So you had Adam made of the earth, the first man in right relationship with God, right relationship with himself, right relationship with his wife. You know that was divine, right? And uh, come on, laugh a little bit. Work with me. All right. And uh, here he is in the garden of joy. You will see this divine progression. The moment they sinned, they had to get taken out of the garden of Eden. Why? Because it's the place that starts with righteousness. How come animals didn't tear at them? How come dinosaurs didn't claw them? How come the lamb could lie down with the lion? Because it's peace. You know what peace is? The absence of your enemies. Where there's righteousness, there's a covering of peace. And where there's peace, there's joy. Isaiah chapter 34, therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and they will walk on the highway of holiness and no one will walk there but the righteousness. The righteous. Next verse, verse 10, it says, and no lion or ferocious beast will be on that highway. Verse 11, and the redeemed of the Lord will return with everlasting joy. Highway of righteousness, no enemies to devour you, peace, and they return with joy. It's a divine progression, guys. I don't have time to preach it, although I just gave you a little bit, but I don't have time to preach it, all right? I'm trying to go as fast as, thank you, Jesus, <laughs> as fast as I can. Uh, so it's a divine progression. This is important. Let me explain to you why this is important. You can't, next screen, you can't have disorder in divine order. To bring demonic disorder, you must disrupt divine order. When you disrupt divine order, you have confusion. And when you have confusion, you have chaos. Can we go to the next screen? Tony, on this next one, do we have man, God, man, all in order? Or, Okay, watch what the devil did. Okay, The divine order is God, man, and then man's spirit, and then man's soul, man's body, the animal kingdom, the plant kingdom, and the demonic world. So, Tony, go to the, can you go to the demonic world screen? He's got to turn this divine order. I'm sorry, uh, I didn't set this up well enough. I wanted you to see the whole thing 
and it's my fault. He goes to the bottom of the list. From the demonic world comes Satan, and he takes a fruit from the plant world, and he uses a serpent from the animal world, and he appeals to man's body. And the Bible says that Eve saw that the fruit was good for food and pleasing to the eye. And she saw, so that appealed to the body. Next is the soul. And she saw that it was good to make one wise, the mind of intellect. Well, what about the mind of emotions? If the devil wants to sabotage this divine order, sabotage everything in the soul. He did. He went to the mind of emotions and he says, the reason why God doesn't want you to eat the fruit is because he knows you'll get wise and you'll have knowledge like him. God doesn't want you to be like him. Nah, 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 he rejected you. And he sticks a dagger in the emotional heart of man and he puts a wound and right there you have the first fracture in the first human being. His mind of logic is now at odds with his mind of his emotions. God is keeping something good from me. The number one problem every non-Christian has is they say if God is good then why this, 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 this and this. And that's the devil. Because Jesus came and he is the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus said, it's the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And every non-Christian will point at God and say, if God is good, why do babies die? Why does this happen? Why does that happen? And what they don't realize is there's a spirit of darkness that the world is subjugated to because of the first Adam. And that spirit of darkness is the one that takes life prematurely. It's the one that spits cancers into people's bodies. It's the one that brings division. It's the one that destroys hopes of dreams. Come on, somebody give the Lord a shout. So, he appeal, he, he, so Satan comes from the demonic world, takes a fruit from the plant kingdom, uses a serpent from the animal kingdom, speaks to the body. Total reversal of divine order. It appeals for food. That's why we have so many problems, eating problems. It was appealing to the eye. You know what the advertising market does? It advertises on appeal. It appeals to your senses. They make things appealing so that you purchase. They understood what Satan understood in the garden and most Christians still don't get it. They knew how to appeal to the eye. I remember when I was a little boy, there were big billboards with cigarette smokers. And if you're smoking cigarettes, I'm not trying to put you down, but hear me. You see the Marlboro man, this tough guy on a horse, you know. Or you see Virginia Slims and this gorgeous woman, tall, thin. She's a model, and she's smoking. And, you know, I was never a smoker, although I, I, I tried it a few times. I found a packet of cigarettes on the way home from school, and I hid them in my pocket. I got home. I got into the bathtub because the window was right next to the bathtub, and I'm blowing the smoke out the window so that my parents wouldn't know I was smoking. And I lit up a cigarette, and I'm puffing away, and I didn't feel anything. 
So I lit up a second one. I'm smoking two. And I didn't feel anything. I'm thinking, oh, this doesn't work. So I had six. And I'm holding them like this here. And I'm huffing and puffing away and blowing out the window. Well, this was in Nassau County on Long Island. And we had volunteer firemen. And whenever there was a fire, there would be a loud alarm. Whoop, whoop. Whoop. And all the firemen would come from work or wherever and they'd get in their cars, go to the fire station. Coincidentally, I'm trying to hide my sin. I got six cigarettes in my mouth. I'm huffing and puffing and I'm not feeling anything. And all of a sudden, whoa, whoa, be sure your sins will find you out. <laughs> How did I get there? I don't know. It's a good story anyway. I'll remember somewhere along the line, but anyway. Okay. Complete reversal of divine order. He totally ignored man's spirit and he totally ignored the word of God. Whoa! When you ignore the word of God, when you make decisions in life and you don't say, God, not my will, not my way, your will be done, you are opening the door to demonic disorder. Good preaching, Pastor Rob. The best thing you could learn is how to say, God, not my will, not my way, your will, your way be done. Because when you pray that, you will open divine order in your life. You will bring things back into divine order. Anybody getting anything out of this this morning? I know I'm going super fast. <laughs> I feel like Al Capone firing off his machine gun. I can't talk any faster. I'm foaming at the mouth. All right, you're going to need to watch this again. I need to end, and I still haven't finished, okay? I still haven't finished. Your spirit will always submit to God. The problem is we don't always listen to our spirit. We're out of divine order. If we learn to live from our spirit, our spirit will obey God. The problem is your body and your soul has more strength and more dominion than your spirit. Did you know your spirit can grow? If you read in the Gospels, you'll see two verses. It talks about John the Baptist, and it says, and he grew in stature, and he grew in spirit. Then it does the same with Jesus. It says he grew in stature, and he grew in spirit. Most of us, we live from our body to such a degree, our body has more say over our decisions than our spirit. And we are filled with so much head knowledge from the world, and it might be from your mom, it might be from your dad, it might be prejudice they taught you. You know, it could be all sorts of things, anything and everything that is contrary to the word of God. Oh, don't talk to Spanish women, Spanish people, they're, they're sub-level. Rubbish! It costs the same blood of Jesus to buy a, a Spanish person as it did a white guy. It took the same blood of Jesus to buy a colored person of skin, a color, different variations, as it did to buy this hunky white guy. The blood of Jesus makes us equal. And any other thought pattern,
pattern in your mind is a lie from the pit of hell. God so loved the world. We got to get all the garbage out of the mind of our intellect and out of our emotions. Sometimes intellectually we'll believe, yeah, no, they're, yeah, they're good people, but emotionally, yeah, but I don't want to hang out with them. You got to get your mind of emotions and your mind in agreement to submit to the word of God. But the problem is we often live from our body, we live from our soul, but we don't live from our spirit. Watch this here. I'm going to close just a couple of verses. Romans 8, verse 5 to 8. I hate that clock. Those who live according to the flesh, and you'll see every time the Bible says flesh to help you understand the body. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds, their soul, set on what the flesh, the body, desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit, that's God's Spirit, have their minds, their souls, set on what the Spirit desires. Next, the mind or the soul in your soul is the mind of your intellect, the mind of your emotions. The mind, the soul, is governed by the flesh, the body. It'll bring you death. But the mind, the soul, that is governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind, the soul, governed by the flesh, your body, is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Until we get into divine order, we will always be out of order with the divine. Oh, that was good. Come on, that was good. Until we get into divine order, we will always be out of order with the divine. That's what the Bible is saying here. Amazing. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, the body, but you are in the realm of the spirit, the Holy Ghost. If indeed the Holy Spirit of God lives in you, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they don't belong to Christ. Church, let me tell you, friend, let me tell you, the best thing you could do is ask Jesus Christ into your heart. It's the beginning of life. Best decision I ever made. Absolutely. Romans 8, verse 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh, the body, to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, the body, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body... You will live. Romans 8, this is my last scripture, verse 26 to 27. In the same way, the Spirit, capital S, the Spirit of God, helps us in our weaknesses. How many of you have weaknesses? Come on, don't lie. If you don't put your hand up, you're automatically qualifying as a liar. <laughs> All right, put your hands up again. Everyone look around. See who doesn't have a hand up. <laughs> kidding, 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 kidding. How to waste time. All right. In the same way, the Spirit of God helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for. I don't always know. If I pray for my intellect, I, sometimes I can pray things that are stupid. Sometimes I can pray things that are contrary to God's heart. John and James did this. There was a city that was rejecting Jesus. They didn't want to hear Jesus preaching. 
And so John and James, you know, they thought they were good religious boys. They were with the Messiah now almost three and a half years. They said, hey, you gave us power. You gave us authority. You want us to call down fire on the city? Jesus, you've been with me all this time and you don't get it? He said, you're praying out of the wrong spirit. You could be a Christian and come into agreement with a spirit of witchcraft. That's why it's so important we learn how to pray, not my will, not my way. Your will, your way. Are you with me, church? Is this a good series? Come on. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We don't know what we should pray for, but the Spirit intercedes for us through wordless groans, through languages, through groans, through things I didn't learn with my head. My head gets in the way, so the Spirit of God starts speaking to my spirit, and my spirit bypasses my brain and starts groaning, starts speaking in other words and other languages. The number one reason for the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of praying in tongues is because God wants to take the demonic disorder and bring it back to divine order so that you're not ruled by your body and you're not ruled by your soul, but now you start to speak from your spirit and your spirit prays in tongues and bypasses your brain. Wow. Thirteen people got a prayer language last week. It was awesome, phenomenal, fantastic. And I encourage you guys, keep praying in tongues, pray in the spirit, because that's how you keep your spirit as the dominant person in who you are. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Oh, so the more I pray with groans, with words I don't know, the more I pray for my spirit. The Apostle Paul says in Corinthians, I will pray with my mind, but I will also pray with my spirit. I will sing with my mind, but I will also sing with my spirit. When you pray in tongues, when you sing in tongues, when you pray from your spirit, you're, you're in divine order. You're getting your brain out of the way, and it's now submitting to your spirit. If you, if you do that often enough, what will happen is your physical brain will start to hear from your spirit, and your spirit will always hear from God in your spirit. Your spirit will talk to your natural mind and you'll get words of revelation. Jesus said to the disciples in the garden, they're supposed to pray with him. He was about to die. This is the big day. I mean, this is the whole reason why he came. He said, guys, three and a half years of training. This is it. Pray. One hour. They kept falling asleep. You know what Jesus said? The spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. Your body, your flesh, and your soul will always run interference but your spirit will always be submissive to God. The problem is we don't learn to live from the spirit, and we need to learn to live from the spirit. And when the church starts learning to live from the spirit, we we, we want churches that appeal to our flesh and appeal to our soul. I'm hungry. He just went an hour and a half. That's too long. You think I'm kidding? You'd empty out every one of these mega churches if they started doing a two-hour service. Every one of them would get emptied out. Why? We appeal to the soul and we appeal to the body, the flesh. 
I can't sit that long. Can't concentrate that long. Oh, let's go to the movies. Avatar's on. It's three hours long. I saw it in 3D. It's incredible. I'm not bullying you. I just went. It's three hours long. I love 3D. Absolute truth. I don't have a problem with it. But listen to me. The point is people can't stay in church more than 60 minutes. What an insult to God. Get angry at me. I don't care. Write me a letter. I don't care. You don't employ me. God employs me. He'll find me a congregation. The church isn't spiritual. The church isn't what it's meant to be. And it's my job to get in your face in a loving way and tell you the truth. Somebody has to tell you the truth. John the Baptist grew in spirit. Jesus grew in spirit. Your spirit can grow or it can grow old. You can see in the flesh. You can hear in the flesh. You can smell in the flesh. You can taste in the flesh. You can feel in the flesh. And then when it comes to the spirit, I don't, I don't see. What are you seeing? You know, the prophet Joel said, I'm going to pour out my spirit in the last days and young men will see visions. You don't do that with your natural eye. You do it with the eye of your spirit. Come on, church. I want you to be hungry for more. I want you to run after God. I want you to know there's a lot more than sticking your butt in the seat for 90 minutes. There's power in the Holy Ghost. There's meant to be power in the sons of God. In chapter 8, Romans, it says, the earth is groaning in anxious expectation because it's been subjected to frustration and it is groaning in anxious expectation for the revelation of the sons of God. And most sons of God can't bear to be in church more than 60 minutes. And so the earth is still groaning. Don't talk to me about politics. I have strong political views, don't get me wrong. I believe every Christian should vote, but every Christian should be a fiery, born-again Christian, praying in the Holy Ghost, fasting, praying, reading the Bible, and standing up for Jesus. Come on, stand up with me. I keep trying to shorten the service. We're going to do it. All things are possible. Did you get something today? Good. Did you get something today? Listen, these are keys. Doug, how are you, buddy? Young Christian here, doing awesome. Proud of you, buddy. Got baptized in the Holy Spirit last week. Isn't that great? Yeah. Listen to me, guys. I'm not putting on a show. Yeah, I'm passionate. It's not an act. I'm passionate. I mean everything I'm saying. I want fire in your veins. Come on, look at me, everyone look at me. Might not be the prettiest thing you see today, but look at me. <laughs> Come on, is the church of Jesus Christ everything it should be? Is our nation going to hell in a handbasket? Is the world going to pot, literally? Come on. You're the answer. I'm the answer. We're the answer. The gates of hell won't prevail against the church. The problem is we're not being the church of the New Testament. So I'm going to lay it down like it is. 
Stop coming here and you did your religious duty. Get spiritual. Get into Jesus. Get into the word. Start living from your spirit, not from the things that seduce your eyes. Stop feeding your face with... Listen, most sicknesses come from the fact that our bodies are out of shape. Let's get honest. Let's get real. Let's stop being so politically correct that even the devil doesn't get offended. We try to be so politically correct, even demons don't get offended. I want demons screaming when I'm preaching. Amen. I love you guys. I do. I love what I do. Whether people like me or not, Jerry, I love what I do. Because I'm telling the truth. And I know that if people listen and do it, their lives will change radically for the better. Radically. I don't want to just be a church. Let's take over this area. Come on, let's have a vision to expand. Let's have a vision to get more people saved. Thank you, go for it. Listen to me. We're closing. If you've never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, this young lady never knew anything about Jesus. Several months ago, by herself, not here, she found Jesus. Her whole life changed. Has your whole life changed? She's become so soft, she starts to talk about what Jesus is doing in her life, she starts crying. These guys over here, Mike and Jennifer and Caden, Ask Jesus in their heart. They're changing. They got baptized in the Holy Spirit last week. She got baptized in the Holy Ghost. They're getting baptized in water. Come on, let's radicalize the earth. Stop being wusses. You know what a wuss is? A weak Christian. That's, that's, a, that's my definition of a wuss. A weak Christian. Stop being wusses. You want to go back to a more religious church? Have at it. I am not putting on a monkey suit and talking prim and proper. This is who I am. And I'm going to speak passionately. If I don't follow all the etiquette of hermeneutics, I don't care. But I'm going to lay down the truth. We've had too much garbage in the church. You're the church. We've got to shoulder up. We've got to shoulder up because God wants to make us pillars that he could put a weight on so he could carry his kingdom on our shoulders. Yeah. If you've never asked Jesus in your heart before you go, most important thing, every eye closed, if you'd like to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, come on, put your hand up. Put it up high. Let me see your hand right now. Come on. Come on, stop doing your thing. Surrender to God and say, God, your will be done. Never ask Jesus in your heart. Lift your hand. Raise your hand. I had 20. Thank you. I see that hand. God bless you, ma'am. Near the front, you can put it down. I had 15 unsaved people here yesterday or 15 people outside of church people. Six got saved. So proud of you, lady. God bless you. Who else? You'd like to accept Jesus? For those of you watching by live stream, come on, say yes to Jesus. 
Everyone repeat this prayer after me. If you've raised your hand, repeat this prayer. It's just for you. Dear God, I know you love me. You really care. And you make sense. Make sense of my life. Jesus Christ, I've sinned. I screwed up. I've made mistakes. Forgive me. I want you living in me. Come into my heart today, right now, not tomorrow. I accept you now, and I know you accept me. Jesus Christ, be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saying yes, and thank you for forgiving me. And thank you for washing away my sins. And God, thank you for making me your kid. I am your child. And I thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. Church, I want to be a part of a great revival. It is my goal to see more people saved this year than last year. In fact, I put in Vision 23, 270. That isn't enough. Help me. Bring your friends. Bring your neighbors. Steve and, uh, uh, Steve and Lisa here brought Mike and uh, uh, Jennifer. They brought Caden first. The three of them got saved. They just brought this lovely lady. First time. Beautiful lady. Pam. Good day, Pam. She just asked Jesus in her heart. Come on, be like Steve, be like Lisa. Tell your neighbors, tell your friends. The Spirit of God is here to get people saved. We pray and fast constantly for people to get saved. And then bring them into the discipleship. Little by little, one person at a time, we can save America and make America great again. Amen. God bless you guys. Take care. God bless.